Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. isn't always easy, is it? We don't normally think of fight, or at least I don't normally think of fight when I think of like, how do you describe faith? How do you describe walking by faith? But often it is a fight. If you think about it for a second, think about all the things and all the people that are always trying to derail you in your walk of faith, right? Temptation comes at us all the time from all around. And it's as if many things that you can see with your eyeballs, but also things that are unseen in the spiritual realm that are trying to attack your faith and fight against you. So it's important for us to keep that in mind if we're going to stand firm in the fight of faith. The last couple of weeks, we've been in the book of Ephesians, and we've been talking about our identity in Christ in our series, Saints and Sinners. And so because it's a strong family Sunday, and we've got our elementary kids in the service with us here, we're going to stay in the book of Ephesians and in that same vein, a very similar vein of our identity in Christ. But we're going to jump ahead to Ephesians chapter 6 today, and we're going to talk about how to stand firm and to fight the good fight of faith. And so I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. We're going to honor God's word, and we're going to read it aloud together. And, and the reason we do, I want to remind you guys, the reason we do these Strong Family Sundays is because we believe it's important that we take responsibility to raise up our children to love and serve Jesus, to make sure that they know their identity in Christ, to make sure that they know they're part of God's army, to make sure that they, are, they know that they are a servant in the house of the best master, and that we do these like intergenerational Sundays, these strong family Sundays, to demonstrate to our children, this is how we worship the Lord. This is part of following Jesus. And we, while we, boys and girls, the reason why we're standing right now to read the word of God is because we want to honor God's word because it holds the highest value in our life. It's the highest authority in our life. The, the word of God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit and those two things will never cross out each other. They'll never, they'll never contradict each other. And so we're going to read today from Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read from verse 10 all the way through verse 13. And I want to invite you to read with me aloud. Verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as you're seated... Look at the person next to you and say it with some vigor. Say, let's stand firm. Let's stand firm. Amen.
Here in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells us that if it feels like someone is fighting against you, it's because they are. (laughs) Someone is fighting against you. But the fight that we're engaged in isn't caused by a particular person. It's not caused by a, a particular group of people that we can see. Now, it might seem that way sometimes, but there's more going on that we can see with our physical eyes. The true enemy is invisible. Boys and girls, are you listening to me? There is an enemy that is fighting against you, but you can't see him with your physical eyes. Our chief enemy is the devil. He's the ringleader of all of the forces that are against God, and they hate God, and they hate you because you're a child of God. And the enemy wants to knock you down and take your faith from you. Now, with these invisible enemies, it can often seem harder to fight them and defeat them because they're invisible. It almost would seem easier if we had a visible enemy, wouldn't it? And Satan has come up with strategies to accomplish his goal of attacking you. Something happened and now you're mad. Maybe you're mad at your spouse. Maybe you're mad or upset with your kids. Maybe you're aggravated with someone at work. Or boys and girls, maybe you're aggravated with somebody at school. Maybe you're angry, boys and girls, maybe you're angry at your parents. Or maybe any of us are upset with someone who we thought they were our friend. And you get mad at people who cross you. But Paul tells us that those people aren't the real problem. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, in the spiritual realm. And it wasn't just Paul who tried to get this message across to us. Also, Peter said this. He wrote something very similar in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Everybody say, stand firm. So how do you do it? How do you stand firm? Well, you put on God's armor, the full armor of God. Why? Because it makes you stronger. It's what actually enables you to stand firm. If you're in a battle and you don't have armor, then you cannot expect to stand firm. But if you have the armor, Paul says, and Peter, they say that we can stand our ground. We can stand firm. And so armor has always been been important. It's always been important. So we shouldn't be surprised that God has given us these tools for spiritual warfare. So so what do we know about the armor of God from what we just read in Ephesians chapter 13? Well, the first thing that Paul says that we just read, it says, put on every piece, right? So that means there are multiple pieces, right? 
It's not just one thing. It's not just the helmet of salvation. And I have the helmet of salvation on and I'm good to go. No, you are not good to go. You need all of the armor. Well, I have the shield of faith and I'm going to run out. That's great. I'm glad you have the shield of faith. But you also need the breastplate of righteousness and the, shoe, the, the shoes of the gospel of peace and the sword of the spirit and the helmet of salvation and all these other things. There's many pieces, and we need all of them. Here's the other thing that we know about the full armor of God. Paul says, you need this so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. So the armor helps us stand firm. It helps us resist the enemy in the time of evil. Now, moms and dads, how many of you know we're living in a day where there is time of evil? And we don't want our kids to be exposed to all of that, but there's some of it that we can't help. Because it's all around. So not only do you, mom and dad, need to know how to wear the armor of God, we have to teach our children how to wear the armor of God. And then the next thing it says is, then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. So the armor, there's multiple pieces of it. It enables us to resist the enemy, and it enables us to stand firm. Everybody say, stand firm. Well, I need some help this morning from a friend to help continue talking about the armor of God. So I'm going to ask, we, we've got a Roman centurion here with us today, and I, he's going to come and help us talk about the rest of the armor of God. Why don't you guys give him a hand clap? I'm glad you're here. You traveled a long way, didn't you? And And you, did you come into a... a did you come here today to us in a phone booth by chance with a couple of guys named yep. Bill and Ted? Yep. Oh, cool. All right. All right. Awesome. All right. Very good. All right. So today we're going to talk about the different pieces of the armor of God. And the first piece that Paul tells us about in verse 14 is that he says, uh, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up your own Bible to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14 so you can follow along and see this for yourself. I never want you to just take my word for it. Listen, God put me as the pastor of this church and as a spiritual leader in your life, but I am not here as a substitute for your own relationship with God and for your relationship with the word of God. I want you to see it in the Bible for yourself. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, Paul says this, Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. Everybody say the belt of truth. Why do we start with the belt of truth? Because it holds everything else together. Everything else, like the, this breastplate, is tied to the belt. And if it's not cinched up, then the, the breastplate is going to be flopping around and not doing its job. How many of you, I saw a video just the other day on YouTube. This is funny. This is a guy, a, a groomsman at a wedding. He was leaving, like the, the ceremony was over and the the bridesmaids and the groomsmen were walking down the aisle in the recessional, and this guy is walking the bridesmaids down the aisle, and all of a sudden his pants just fall right to the ground. Why? Because he didn't have his belt of truth cinched up. And then all everybody else saw his truth, and we didn't want to see his truth. Now, it was on YouTube, so it was just safe. It was not R-rated. Anyway, we got the kids in the service with us today, praise God. 
have to just keep reminding myself of that. If you, listen, if you don't want to get pushed around in the fight of faith, if you want to be able to stand your ground, then you're going to have to know how to wear the belt of truth. Now, how do we understand this idea of truth? Is it truth in objective sense? For instance, like Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Is it the knowledge of the truth? Is that the knowledge of the truth that would guard us and keep us? Or is it also truth like in a subjective sense? For instance, like that we would be people of truth, that we would not be liars, that we'd be truth tellers. Well, I believe it's both. It's objective and subjective. And for a moment, I want to camp on this, just this idea of us buckling the belt of truth around us in order that we might be able to stand, recognizing the important truth in the objective sense. In Ephesians 1.13, it says, Paul refers to the truth and he says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. Now, I really, I, I understand that this may seem incredibly straightforward. And it's like, why do we need to camp on this? Why do we need to harp on this for a while? But we could pass over it really quickly, but we need to remember how foundational truth is. Everything else is built upon it. And if you're not building upon truth, then whatever it is that you're building will eventually crumble. Without a doubt, absolutely, if you are trying to build on something that is not based on truth, your philosophies, your ideas, your strategies, it will crumble. I recently heard a pastor, well, I heard of a pastor telling his congregation something to the effect of like, he said that there's no reason for us to try to sell the priority or the superiority of our particular denomination. And I thought, that's good. That, that's true. I like that. That's wonderful. But then he went on to say, uh, or, and it's not important to sell the, the exclusive, exclusivity or the superiority of Christianity. Because God at this point in history is making himself known truly through all the religions of the world and all the ideas of the world. In other words, this pastor was saying that it doesn't really matter what you believe. The issue of truth doesn't matter. It's totally, totally um, relative. And it's on a sliding scale. But that's heresy. That's nonsense. It's, a, it's the doctrine of demons. And I want to warn you, this kind of idea that is perpetuating itself in our culture and has been going around the world in post-Christian society for the last 20, 30 years, it's going to get worse than it is now. Now, I'm not saying that today to be a prophet of doom to you, but I do believe that God has to fashion and form in us these deep convictions about these foundational things for the sake 
of these little people that are sitting here with us today. The coming generations. This is why it's important to make your home an altar. It's not going to happen by accident. Listen, if you are not intentional and purposeful with your kids to raise them and nurture them in the admonition of the Lord so that they would grow up to love and serve Jesus all the days of their lives, by default, they will not. Someone is raising your kids, and if you're not doing it, the world is doing it. And you know what's behind the, the world? In the unseen realm? Evil, wicked spirits. And they will disciple your kids if you do not do it. And so that's why it's important for us to build on the foundation and cinch this belt of truth around us and do it in such a way that no one can tear it from us. I have a belt on right now. If you tried to come and take it off of me, you're going to have some trouble. You know why? Because it's cinched properly. And if you try to uncinch it, I will I'll hit you in the face. <laughs> and then you will wish that you did not try to do that. That's how we ought to be like with truth. I'm not saying when you go around hitting people in the face when they say things that are not true. But what I'm saying is when people try to take truth and try to twist it, and they try to say, no, 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 well, this is my truth. Do not buy into that garbage. And do not let them take what you know to be true and what you see in the word of God to be true. Do not let them take that from you. It's all of our job, you guys, as the army of God, to make sure we're all buckling on the authority and the priority of the belt of truth. We have to remember, I, I know that the, the U.S. Army did this, like, ad campaign a few years ago, and, like, the Army of One. You know, they're trying to reach out. It's a recruiting thing, right? But how many of you have served in the armed forces? And how many of you know there's no such thing as the Army of One? There's not. It is the army of all the army. <laughs> there is, there is an um, order of authority. And... If you are in the battle and you look over and your buddy doesn't have on his equipment the right way, you don't ignore that. If he's doing something foolish, you don't ignore that. You look over and you say, hey, man, you got to fix this. You got to change this. You got to get this in order. Why? Because the, the way that he does his job also affects whether or not you live and whether or not you're successful in the battle. And the same goes for you. So when you see somebody and they're not buckling on the authority of God's word, it's okay for you to say, hey, let's have a conversation about this. We need to make sure this belt of truth is cinched up right. Because if it's not, there's no such thing as an army of one. There are no lone, lone rangers in the army of God. We're, on this, we're in this together. All right, verse 14, it goes on to tell us the set, what the second piece of, of armor is, and it says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. This is important because 
the body armor of righteousness protects you from some of the most direct attacks at the, some of the most important organs, right? Your breastplate protects your heart, protects your lungs, protects your, your guts, you know? If someone came and they, you know, sliced Gabriel's arm right here, it would hurt. It would be terrible, but it's not a mortal wound. Well, if someone did that here and he didn't have armor on, that could be a mortal wound, right? And so this is why it's important that we have this righteousness protecting our hearts. When you put your faith in Jesus to be the Lord of your life, what happens? You take off that old, those old, nasty, unrighteous clothes. We talked about this in our saints and sinners the other day, right? And then instead of trying to wear the new clothes on top of the old clothes, no, 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 you, put, you take off the old, nasty, unrighteous clothes, and now you put on the new expensive threads that God gives to you, right? And God says that you are forgiven from the penalty of sin, that you are freed from the power of sin, and that you are righteous. You are in right standing with him. You are in good standing with him through what Jesus Christ did. And these are the truths that you need to know that, are, that guard your heart because the enemy wants to attack your heart and he wants to make you think, oh, I'm not a saint, I am a sinner. Remember, we've been, we've been talking about this already for a couple of weeks already. That's your new identity. That's who you are. Again, not because that you're so awesome, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. God declares you righteous and puts you in right standing with himself. The body armor or the breastplate of God's righteousness helps you stand your ground in reminding yourself and protecting your heart in your true identity in Christ. When you truly know who you are, then you'll be able to stand firm against the enemy's lies that try to define you by who you used to be before you put your faith in Jesus. But now your faith is in Jesus, and you're no longer a sinner. You are a saint. I'm, I'm not just a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner, and now I'm saved by grace. There is a new reality that exists. That's your new identity. Who you were then is not who you are now. As a Christian, you are forgiven from the penalty of sin. You're free from the power of sin, and you are in perfect right standing with God. That's the breastplate of righteousness. The next thing, verse 15, tells us about the next piece of armor. It says, For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. The enemy will do everything that he can try to cause division and anger and knock you off your feet. He's going to try to do that to you as an individual. He's going to come in and try to do that in us amongst the ranks of the army of God. He's going to try to cause division amongst us. And it's a really great strategy because it's hard to fight if you're laying on the ground. It's hard to fight. When you don't have proper footwear, it's hard to stand firm when you don't have good footwear. Earlier with these Roman sandals, Gabriel was walking on the, <laughs> on the uh, uh, gravel out there. And he was like, oh, wow, I feel every little pebble under here. He's like, 
Yes, that's, that's, that's true. The footwear that we have today is far superior than what they had, you know, in 300 B.C. However, what they had then, this, was, this is quite remarkable. Caesar commissioned uh, special footwear for his soldiers because it gave his soldiers specific advantage in the battles that they would go to fight in a couple different ways. Number one, it helped them in the battle stand firm. Number two, uh, they, they could fight longer because they had better, um, they, they didn't have to spend all of their energy and pain on their feet so they could persevere for longer, they could fight longer. Also, it enabled them to travel faster. So a, there would be a, an enemy that were miles and miles away, and they would have scouts out. And the scouts would say, oh, we have another day or two before the Romans reach us because this is, they know, like, well, this is how long it takes to move an army that long. But after the new commissioned footwear, the army was able to travel faster and they were able to get to their enemy and then engage their enemy that wasn't prepared yet because of the footwear. So I'm telling you, this footwear, this gospel of peace issue is an important issue that Paul's trying to communicate to us. It's the gospel of peace that comes from the good news so that we'll be fully prepared. Honestly, again, the enemy, it's a really great strategy to try to take us out because we can't fight when we're on the ground. But our message is this, the message of good news that God has given us to live out and to talk about, it's a message of peace with God and peace with each other through Christ Jesus. We have peace with God, and we have peace with one another through Jesus. That's this is a key part of Christian life. It's funny to me that some Christians think that, that being a Christian is boring. If you think this life is boring, if you think the Christian life is boring, I would probably say to you, you're not doing it right. <laughs> we have a mission and the mission is to spread the message of God's peace. Every day you wake up, you have a mission that gives your life meaning and purpose and excitement. You never know who God may bring across your path to share the message of peace at just the right time. Say, hey, God made a way so that you could be at peace with God through Jesus. God made a way that you could be at peace with your brothers and sisters through Christ Jesus, the Christian life is not boring. It is an adventure. Not only does sharing about God's peace keep us from being bored in our faith, it also keeps you from following away from your own faith. Even when it's difficult, living out and talking about the message of God's peace and good news will prepare you to stay on your feet and stand firm in the fight of faith. Now, verse 16 tells us about our next piece of armor. Paul says this. He says, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows. Now, I want to tell you this. This is more like a gladiator's shield. But a Roman centurion would have a shield that is broader than this and taller than this. Much. This is just like a little, this is bigger than a, just bigger than a Frisbee, okay? But in real life, the shield would be as big as this table. I mean, we're talking about those kinds of dimensions, that wide, this tall. 
and it's, and it's there to protect us from all the fiery arrows that the devil would send at us. Faith is secure trust in Jesus. This is what faith is. It's the shield of faith. Faith is secure trust in Jesus. It's loyal allegiance to him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Faith is the confidence that we hope for, will, the, the things that we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So then faith is this. Faith, it's, it's confident assurance about the things we can't see. And Paul says that faith is a shield because your faith has the power to stop the flaming arrows, the flaming attacks, the fiery arrows that the enemy shoots at you. How does it do that? Because faith says this. Faith says, I don't care what my circumstances look like. I don't care what the enemy says. I don't care what the government is doing or saying. I don't care what it looks like in this election cycle. I don't care what they say at me, say to me at work. I don't care what that my heathen family says. My faith is in God, who I may not be able to see, but he is faithful. He is who he says he is. He does what he says he will do. So I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to give in. I won't give up. Whatever comes my way, I'm going to keep marching forward and taking my orders from Jesus. A shield, we think of it as a, as a defense mechanism, and it is, because it helps you defend against attacks. But it is also what enables you to move forward. If I've got a shield and I'm blocking attacks, I'm not just blocking and going like this. No, I'm using this, and I'm taking my marching orders from Jesus with the shield of faith in front of me, and I'm moving out, and I'm advancing. This is better preaching than y'all are responding. <laughs> do you know some people like this? I hope you do, and I hope you are people like this. I hope we are people like this. Someone that maintains faith in the face of difficult circumstances in the face of difficult situations, to actually strengthen our confidence in Jesus and our loyalty to him. Boys and girls, I want you to listen to me right now. There are going to be hard things that you're going to face in life, and Jesus does not want you to just run away from all of them. He wants you to advance in the face of them. He wants you to be able to stand firm and, and, and take on those attacks of the enemy. And he wants you to advance. Don't shy away from doing hard things. Don't shy away from, well, you know, this must, not, this must not be God's will because I'm meeting resistance or I'm being attacked. Well, how does that make any sense in the, in the light of Scripture? The enemy hates you and he hates God. And we need to be able to stand firm. How do we do that? By wearing this armor. We don't have to walk in fear. We don't have to walk in doubt. We can walk in confident assurance because God is faithful. And that's what the shield of faith is all about. 
The shield of faith stops the fiery arrows that are trying to kill us and steal from us and destroy us. Amen? Verse 17 tells us about the next piece of armor. It's the helmet of salvation. Yeah. I didn't clink like I thought it would. Anyway, yeah. What does your helmet cover, boys and girls? Yes, your head. Your noggin. Yeah. Somebody heard that word from their dad. It's important that you focus your mind and fix your thoughts on things that are worthy of God's salvation. Guard your thoughts. When you sense that your thoughts are drifting and they're taking you toward greed, they're taking you toward lust, they're taking you toward envy or deceit, you just stop your thoughts right there in their tracks because you are in charge of them. Your thoughts, we think that, well, we're controlled by our thoughts. No, your will controls your thoughts. You control them. And you ask God, God, Holy Spirit, I need your help right now to fill my mind with thoughts that are worthy of salvation. Remember what Jesus has done for you. Remember the forgiveness that he's secured for you. Remember the freedom that he has uh, granted to you to walk in, over the, you walk in victory over sin. Your thoughts, they can make you or break you in the fight of faith. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, he said, fix your thoughts on things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The battle is often won or lost right here in our mind. That's how significant your thought life is. And we wear the helmet of salvation. Amen? Verse 17 also tells us about the final part of the armor. It says, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, this is the one all the boys were waiting for. Finally, the sword. Yes! (laughs) God's Word, it's... It's like it's the only weapon that we've been given in this. Everything that Paul lists here is defensive. I told you about the, that shield. It is a defensive mechanism, uh, but it allows us to, to, to advance. But the sword is what we have to actually to use to attack. The belt, the, bar, the body armor, the shoes, the helmet, those things are, are defensive. But to win a fight, you have to be able to go on the offensive Right? If you're going to win, it's not just because you didn't let the other team score on you. You got to score some points too. Poor Butch, Butch Jones yesterday. You guys, you know, he's head coach in Arkansas State now. Oklahoma whipped him 73 to nothing. Praise God. Anyway, they did not have the sword of the Spirit. Arkansas State did not yesterday. But the University of Tennessee did have the sword of the Spirit. All right, how did we get off on that? All right. (laughs) To win a fight, you've got to be able to go on the offensive. The Word of God is like a sword that cuts and pierces and divides truth from lies. In Jesus' encounter with the the enemy in the wilderness, uh, I believe Luke chapter 4, Jesus demonstrated for us how to use God's word against the enemy. The enemy tried to tempt Jesus, but Jesus knew God's word and was able to stand firm against the temptations. And guess what? You can do the same thing. 
Boys and girls, the reason why you need God's word in your life is so that you can stand firm. You cannot just stand firm against the enemy, but you can attack the enemy with the word of God. For, for instance, let me give you an example of this. Psalm 119, verse 9, says, How can a person be pure? More specifically, it says, How can a young person be pure or stay pure? But I think this applies to all of us. How can a young person be pure? Well, wouldn't we all like to know the answer to that question? Yes. Well, guess what? The Word of God tells us just the very next sentence. It says, by obeying God's Word. By obeying God's Word. If you want to stay pure and honor God with your life, if you want to make a difference in the world and advance the mission of God, then you do it by knowing and obeying God's Word. In the fight of faith, God's Word it's the only weapon. And so I'm like, man, don't we need more? Nope, it's the only weapon because it's the only one you need. You don't need anything else offensively except the word of God because Hebrews tells us that it's alive and powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen? So that's the full armor of God, and we need to be careful about wearing all of it all of the time. If we wear just one piece and not the others, then we're still going to be susceptible to attack, right? We've got to wear all of it. And when we do, we will be able to stand firm in the fight of faith together. You guys probably have seen this in in movies or in other historical depictions. But when this Roman army would march together and they're standing in the line... They would hold the line together, and they would put their shields out together, and they would use their shields to block the fiery arrows together. It's not just one guy out doing all the battle by himself. If you see that, that's typically really unrealistic. The army is stronger when we fight together, and it's the same thing about God's army. It's the same thing about this church. It's the same thing about the body of Christ. We are stronger when we stand firm together. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the full armor of God. Lord, thank you that it enables us to stand firm against our enemy and its attacks. And we put on the belt of truth to protect ourselves from against the lies and deception. We put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts and and our identity in Christ. We put the gospel of peace on our feet so we're ready to take your light wherever you send us. Lord God, we choose to walk in the peace and the freedom of the Spirit. We take up our shield of faith that blocks all the fiery arrows of the enemy. We believe in your power, God, to protect us. And and we choose to trust you and put our hope and our trust in you, Jesus. We put on the helmet of salvation, which covers our minds and thoughts, reminding us we are your children every single day. We are forgiven, set free, and saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. We take up the sword of the Spirit, your very word, which has the power to demolish strongholds. We thank you that it is alive, that it's active, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. We thank you that we never fight alone, for you are constantly at work on our behalf, shielding us and protecting us and strengthening us and and exposing the deeds of darkness and bringing to light what needs to be known and covering us from attacks that we face, even the ones that we're unaware of, God. We pray all of this in your powerful name, Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen.
Amen. Praise God for the armor of God. We're going to wear it all. Amen. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.